Well, my name's Andy, and uh, I have the, the great privilege and, and blessing of being a part of the um, preaching team here, and it is a great gift. I, I love it. I'm so thankful for it. Um, three things before we get started uh, in these verses, uh, kind of connected, and, and thank you, Brent, for uh, praying for Families Alive. Um, my full-time ministry role is uh, with a ministry called Families Alive, so you know, when I, when I come to uh, a sermon that's, you know, wisdom for the home and, and what, what does it mean for shalom for the home and vibrancy and all that, uh, that's, I spend so much of my time thinking and praying about those things. Uh, so this is uh, very close to, to my heart. Um, and I want you to know, too, that as we go through these things, this is, this is what I feel called to do a lot of these things, to help families, to help husbands and wives, to help parenting, all these kinds of things, uh, to help God's people see themselves as important secondary disciplers in the lives of the next generation, all those things. So uh, as questions or um, things that you're trying to work through as a family, as those things come up, please know that I feel very called to step into those things with families and churches. Uh, so my, my role with Families Alive is called pastor to churches and families. So uh, just know that I would love to step into those things uh, with you. Um, also, uh, you know, this is one of those sermons, and we've talked about this in the past. Sometimes we end up uh, going over things together that it might be difficult to, for every single person in the room to find themselves in all aspects of the sermon, right? That's the way it goes at some level. Um, and I just want to encourage you that even if you're, you're single or you're an empty nester or you're married with kids, uh, really what, what goes on in the home is kind of the, the first level of how wisdom is expressed in life. Like even if you're living alone, what you do at home alone and what goes on by yourself is a big deal. What goes on in that time? And all the wisdom that we've talked about so far has the, the greatest impact. So all these different things we've gone through together, it kind of starts in our home at some level, right? So if you, even if, whether you're alone or even if you have others in your house, um, you know one another almost better than anybody else, right? And you know the, the blessings and the flaws of each person uh, almost better than anybody else. So there's a sense in which our home is also this great place of refining. It, it, there's no way around that. Uh, so uh, we're going to find ourselves in these things no matter what. And even if a section doesn't speak specifically to you or, or your life situation, there is always, always an opportunity to be equipped in areas to be able to spur our brothers and sisters in Christ on. I want my, like, even though I have brothers in Christ who are single and who aren't married, I want them to know what it means to have a healthy marriage too because I want them to spur me on and encourage me in godly ways. So we're meant to be equipped for one another as well. And then lastly, Harrison touched on, uh, on this last week kind of as a preemptive and a, a kind of touching base with everyone in regards to the Proverbs series. 
some of, some of you maybe have been feeling like, gosh, I can't measure up to the wisdom of the Proverbs. I'm just not doing these things. And it feels kind of like this, this overwhelming burden. And uh, the truth is you and I can't measure up. That's the bottom line. Uh, why do you think Jesus had to come? Uh, because we are exposed all throughout Scripture. We're exposed. And so the Proverbs are a place where we're exposed. And so that's why we need uh, the Lord's help. That's why we need Christ. Christ knew how uh, we would mess up even when he went to the cross. He knew that we would lack the wisdom of Proverbs. He knew that. And so uh, we need his help. We need one another's help uh, to make it through these things, to be discipled, uh, to grow in the grace of the gospel and to grow in the teachings of Christ. So I wanted to cover those three things uh, at the beginning and uh, then to say uh, kind of the way we're going we're gonna to take these Proverbs. And as I was looking through the book of Proverbs, being refreshed on what's in it for these subjects, one way to break up some of the major themes of Proverbs in terms of the home, wisdom for the home, is in three parts. So one of them is uh, a big one, how we point our kids to the Lord in his ways. Okay, that's a huge theme in the Proverbs. Second one is kind of general behaviors in the home. And you could say in some ways the entire book of Proverbs would cover <laughs> how we act in the home and how we act as people. Uh, and then third, uh, marriage vitality, okay, would be kind of a, a third subject. So that's what we're going to break it down into. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are good and your steadfast love endures forever and you are faithful to all generations. And Lord, uh, we know that you are here with us today. And Lord, we always need you, uh, whether we're here or at home, at our jobs. Lord, today we, we pray that you would help us uh, to see how we need to be calling on you more for help in regards to our homes. Uh, so reveal those things and reassure us, Lord, of your help because uh, we certainly need it, and we need one another's help, Lord. So help us to be prepared to jump maybe a little bit more um, uh, intimately into uh, helping and coming alongside each other in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so first, uh, and I, I didn't do a good job of giving these verses to Michael, uh, so kind of going to, they don't go in exact order of how we're going to go. Um, but those first two sections, uh, as far as, you know, parenting, this is that theme of pointing our kids to Christ, okay? So, hear my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. What a neat picture there. And um, I heard somebody say once, uh, youth... Teens are very, very cognizant of what they wear and uh, what people think about what they wear. Not all of them are, but many of them are. And here's this thing that's talking to um, young people about how they receive the instruction of their parents that it's like something that they wear. Um, so, at some level, even when I'm, we're going through these things that talk about parents pouring into their kids and pointing their kids to Christ... Young people, I want you to, to also, you know, flip it around and say, am I ready to receive the teaching and instruction of my parents? 
the way that my parents point me to the Lord Jesus? Am I ready to receive that? So uh, if you do receive it, it's like you're wearing something wonderful in your life and beautiful and handsome for the guys. Handsome, okay. Um, So parents are meant to be the primary disciplers of their children. And this really even connects to passages like Deuteronomy 6, which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And these commandments that I give to you shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. And I love that picture of just everyday life in the home, pointing our kids to the Lord. We are meant to be the primary disciples of our children, imparting godly wisdom and instruction, sharing our stories and living as examples to them. This is really important. Um, It's important that our kids, over time, maybe we share little by little more, but it's important that they, they hear our stories of how the Lord's been working in our lives, right? How we have sinned in the past and how the Lord's worked in that, how we've seen great victories in the Lord. So sharing our stories. Um, one of the things that my kids have always uh, loved is, and I've done it in different ways, you know, like before bed, uh, told them stories about when I was younger, you know, and then you inevitably get more requests like, tell us another story about when you were little, you know, all those kinds of things. Um, and, you know, there's different times too when I, I've recognized... Uh, Jody and I have recognized when certain stories were like, we need to tell this story at this time to our kids, right? And so, you know, um, like I think about uh, Sam and Titus and our two oldest, and there was a time when it's like, you know, I really need to talk to them about stuff that happened to me when I was a young man. And I remember one time, uh, Sam and I went on a walk around our neighborhood we were living in at the time, and I was just kind of recounting many, many different things to him and uh, tying them to the, to the scriptures here and there at times. And we, we'd come back around to our, ha- our house, and, uh, and maybe I ended up talking too long, I don't know. Um, but there were, then, then we'd get to the house and be like, okay, let's just make one more lap around this one street. And, um, but just the gift of being able to tell our children our stories and how the Lord has worked through those things, it, it, it kind of brings us down. Instead of just always maybe giving them instruction and saying, do these things, it brings us down into, I have needed instruction all my life. You know, I have needed the Lord all my life, and here I am with you, and I want to tell you about these things. So, very, very important. Um, and really the first seven to eight chapters of Proverbs focus on wisdom being imparted to young people. This is a huge theme of those first chapters. Time and time again, my son, listen to this. My son, listen to this. My son, listen to this. Over and over and over again, lovingly calling his child into his teaching. So you see there in 2, 1 through 6, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord 
and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So look at the importance of that last line there. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth and come wis- and from his mouth come wisdom and understanding. Our commandments are the things that we tell our kids to do and the instruction that we give them should line up with God's instruction. Okay? I know that seems like, oh yeah, of course. Our wisdom and our understanding should line up with God's, what we impart to them. But it's so easy as parents to send mixed messages to our kids. We kind of fold in certain things into the teachings of God at times that twist it. Um, And if we instruct our children in ungodly things or, or twistings of Scripture or omissions of things to only emphasize what we want them to do to control them, have you ever felt like you just want to control your kids? You just want them to do what you want them to do? We parent in an ungodly way when we do that. And in Ephesians 6, we're kind of given this um, instruction about fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So there's a sense in which we can discipline and instruct them that provokes them. And I think when we go outside of God's ways of doing that, that's a way that we can provoke them to anger and frustration and not understanding exactly how to handle things. So we, as parents, we need to make sure that we know the counsel of God well. It's been found out in multiple studies that the parents who continually keep putting themselves in positions to grow in Christ through Bible studies, through getting in the Word on their own, if they keep putting themselves in positions to grow in Christ, their kids have this trajectory of also growing in Christ and knowing the gospel. And so as we put ourselves in positions to grow closer to the Lord, we put ourselves in a better place to impart those things to the Lord or to our children. So we must make sure that we know the counsel of God. And we must pray to ask for God's help that our selfish intentions don't allow us to twist or omit God's commands, his wisdom and his understanding. And especially we don't want to twist the gospel. And one of the ways that we can do that as parents is so easy is we can make uh, Christianity or what it means to be a Christian, we can make it all about the do's and don'ts. Do these things and don't do these things and that makes you a Christian. When the whole point of being a Christian is we can't keep the do's and don'ts. That's why we need Christ. So we can't send these mixed messages to our kids and just have this culture in our home of existing according to the do's and don'ts. It's a really easy thing to fall into as parents. And then I remember, too, even hearing different phrases uh, growing up from different people in my family. You know, like this one, uh, God only helps those who help themselves. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard that one. If you're saying that currently to anyone, stop saying it, okay? Because it's very, it's a deception, okay? If God only helped those who help themselves, he would help no one, okay? He would help no one because our posture 
our heart posture towards the Lord is one, like Romans uh, 5 tells us, as enemies of God. We don't seek after God. So people who don't seek after God aren't helping themselves. So if they're not helping themselves and God only helps those who help themselves, no help is coming. Okay? But that's not true. He has to help those who don't help themselves. And that's what he does with every single one of us. We know what people mean when they say that at some level, of course. But to make that a mantra, that's just not true. It's actually something that increases pride at some level. So we don't want to send confusing messages like that. Okay. Discipline. You guys heard that rod burst in there, and you were like, oh, gosh, here we go. What's going to happen here? Uh, <laughs> um, let's look at the first one first. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him who he, whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. So this is a way that the Lord has laid out in his word that we are meant to pour into our kids to point them to the Lord. Okay? Scriptures are very clear in that way. And really, in, in the context of Proverbs, it's about saving them from the path of the fool or the path of the scoffer or the path of the wicked. That's why discipline is there. We don't want to see our kids go down those roads. And for some of us, uh, our fear of discipline, and this is kind of like why this is a controversial topic, right? There's, there's fear out there of discipline um, for different reasons. It could be that you're, you're, you're fearful of being an authoritarian parent. You're fearful of the example that you had growing up. You're fearful of the example that you've seen play out in other families um, where maybe it was a mingling of of quoting scripture and then like ungodly discipline that turned into this picture that you just are like, I don't like that, you know? And I'm fearful of what that will do to my kids or I'm fearful of what that will do to other people's kids. And so our fears of, the, of discipline, maybe in general or of certain kinds of discipline, right, make us ignore that the Lord in the end, think about what the Lord does with the idea of discipline. He connects it to love. In the scriptures, he connects discipline to love. And that actually the withholding of discipline is unloving to children. So, like many things that we may feel comfortable, uncomfortable with because of either bad examples or bad expressions of things, um, it causes us to flee from actually the striving after the good expression of that thing that the Lord has in his word because we're so afraid of what could happen and we're afraid to step into striving for that good expression, finding out what that good expression is and trying to do as best we can in that. Because in the end, whatever you're afraid might happen, then are you really also thinking that if you, by fleeing from this that we're going to be able to execute this other version of how to raise our kids so perfectly that it's not going to mess them up? 
Like at some level, that's a prideful thing to think, oh, if we flee this thing that we're afraid of, even a good expression of that because we're afraid it's going to be something bad or turn out to be something bad, do we really think that the other option, we're going to execute it perfectly and not sin in it as parents? (laughs) I mean, that's just not true. We're going to mess up as parents and we're going to need to go to our kids and ask for forgiveness. So part of, I know, what, what might be coming up in us about this really is the spanking or no spanking debate. I can't believe Andy just said that. Um, the spanking or no spanking debate, right? Um, and, you know, through experience and also heard it said uh, in different times in different ways, if you say you're for spanking, you lose half the room. If you say you're against spanking, you lose half the room, right? So I love spanking. I don't love spanking. Now you all love me. Okay. All right. So, if seriously though, if, if you want to talk to me about exactly how we did it as a family, I would love to have a personal conversation with you. Okay? But in this context right now, we're going to cover some other things. Uh, some, some universal things that I hope will steer us in a more godly direction in general, if that makes sense. So either way... God puts a priority on this. And we have to admit that he seems to want to work through discipline as part of how he shapes our children. The scriptures are clear in that way. So, uh, I don't know if you've heard this, either reading parenting books or whatever, there's many different expressions of kind of what should discipline look like or what's healthy discipline, how can it play out. And usually it's broken down into three things that sound something like this. Be consistent in your discipline, clear in expectations, and faithful in follow-through. Okay? That's kind of the bottom line. Now, I hear, I hear lines like faithful and follow-through, and I'm just like, faithful. Um, clear in expectations. Was I always totally clear? Have I always been totally clear? And it just does come down to that bottom line of this is, that's what we should be striving for. Consistency, clear in expectations, faithful and follow through. This will allow us as parents to set up a culture in our home that allows for us to instruct and discipline according to the Lord's ways. And at least guard against as much as possible provoking our children to anger kind of thing. Okay? So setting up these clear things. And in the end, like I said before, we ha- as part of the culture, we will not carry the, those three things out. We will not carry out discipline fully, faithfully. We will sin in how we discipline. Or sometimes we won't sin, but we'll discipline the wrong kid. You know? The stories, the conflicting stories come to you. You're trying to do your best to sort through it. You discipline the wrong kid. So then when you find that out later on somehow, you still have to apologize for that. Like, we're limited. We're limited. And so we need to keep seeking the Lord about help with, Lord, help us to be wise. Help us to uh, see as much as we can about a situation. And taking the time to talk to our children about the situations. So, to be able to do those three things, are we too busy and distracted 
as a family and as parents to be able to capture disciplining well? Are we too busy and distracted? Because that is an important aspect of how we parent. And so if we're not giving the, the time to really help our kids understand what's happening in a situation and why they're being disciplined and all those kinds of things and to provide an opportunity for them to ask for forgiveness and extend, or extend forgiveness, all these different things. If we're running around in life to where we don't have the opportunity to, to set some good groundwork in these areas, there's going to be incons- even greater inconsistencies, inter- even greater sin and messing up, honestly, as a family. So we need to make sure that we're cutting down on things. You know, it, if it means that um, you leave later to get somewhere because you have to work through something, that's okay. I know you might be like, well, gosh, there's some things I've got to get to. Well, yeah, but there's a lot of things, it's okay. Like, work on it, work through it. If half the family has to leave to go do something while somebody else stays behind and, and just helps a child work through something, that's okay. It's okay. It's worth it. And as much as we can do it in the moment, in, in the time when it's tied to the offense, that's so important. If it gets delayed and all these things end up becoming like this tangled mess of being distant from what happened and all this kind of stuff, that, that can also provide some inconsistency and confusion. In God's discipline, he doesn't withdraw from relationship. Think about that. In God's discipline, he doesn't withdraw from relationship from us, so that's important how we think about that. We don't want to discipline in such a way that we're like sending this message that you're so messed up, kid, and I just can't even be around you right now. Now, sometimes we need to take a, go take a breather or whatever before we come into that. Yeah, maybe, but we don't want to send that kind of message. He's consistent. The Lord is consistent. He teaches us as we go. Harrison was saying some good lines as we were talking about this. Uh, he, he was putting some of these in this certain way. He's consistent, teaches us as we go, and he deeply cares for us and hurts for us even when it's because of our own actions. So we can have that same thing for our children. And whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Now, whether you look at the rod as literal or symbolic, uh, our disciplining, it, at the very least, it connotates an unpleasant feeling. Something should feel unpleasant to send a message. Okay? Whether you think it's literal or symbolic. There's something clear that the Lord says about this. And we'll end this section. In, uh, just I'm going to read Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. And pray that the Lord would help you as a parent to have this kind of view and heart about discipline, because this is a good one. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be wary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? 
If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father and spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. It's painful, and it doesn't seem pleasant, but it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness in the end. So may the Lord help us in that. Okay. I knew that there would be so much here to cover, so, I'm just going to briefly reference this general behavior kind of thing. Um, I, I think that Harrison and others have done a good job of, of saying this is a, a general statement about the Lord's, so this one, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. It just goes, in general, if a righteous, godly life and godly culture is playing out in your home, then there's usually good things that are going to be happening from that. Okay? That's the direction the Proverbs puts us in. There's, are there going to be exceptions? Are there going to be hard things that happen? Are there going to be, you know, doesn't mean you may not experience poverty. It doesn't mean you may not experience certain hard things in life. But going after the Lord's righteousness in your home is going to yield good things. And I want to encourage you uh, to look at a theme in the Proverbs that we don't have as much time to spend on this morning, but there's a huge one on laziness, okay? And the one thing I would say about laziness uh, and how it impacts our homes is that we honestly uh, fill too much of our time with too many empty and less valuable pursuits. And I think that that's a version of laziness that has hit our culture. So think about this verse from, uh, it's not actually not in your bulletin. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. So here's what I think of when I think about our culture, you know, doing too many video games, social media scrolling, watching too many stories play out on a screen in front of us distract us from the story of our lives and others engaging in that story, the real story. Okay? Those things have become a distraction to us in such a way that it, it keep, it, it's a laziness that... Uh, reflects itself in laziness in task, like actually accomplishing task, and laziness in relationships. And so what we find is that laziness in general reveals over time that the most important things in life aren't getting done relationally and task-wise, and we are surprised when time passes and the outcome is lacking. So it's like we, we spend our time on these lesser pursuits 
and they distract us from the real things, the, the most important things that need to get done, relationally and task-wise. And then when, it, when the time passes, we come to the end of it, and we're like, what happened? And many of us know that we spent too much time on the, on the lesser things. But I think that we need to see the Lord's teaching on laziness and that it, it destroys the house. It destroys our homes. We come up empty because of it and lacking. Okay, so much more can be said about that. Lastly, let's look at marriage vitality. Okay. Some, some heavy stuff in here too. A huge theme in the Proverbs really has to do with fornication, adultery. And in those first seven, eight chapters, like we talked about, man, the, the father imparting wisdom to his child, his son, much of it is taken up by time talking about the allure of the adulteress, adultery. Why would he spend so much time saying this to his child? Because it will destroy his family. It will destroy his home in the future. What he chooses to do now that would lend itself to that, and then in the future, adultery will destroy over and over and over again. It uses words and phrases like that. It leads to death. If you see in our passage, her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. So we are called to flee from someone who will destroy our marriage and even hinder our future marriage. And there's no way around it, friends. Uh, pornography is the adulterous distraction of our age. There's no way around it. Yes, we have still relationships that end in you know, physical adultery, uh, but pornography is the great shaper of those things and encourager of those things. So we should set up great guards against it. Like we should take the advice of the, the warning of death to set up guards against it and to plan in advance to flee from it. If we see it developing in our hearts, if we notice someone possibly pursuing after us in that way, to flee from that. So whether it takes filters, changing data plans for your sake and your children's, do you want to avoid death and destruction? Do we want to do that? And the Lord, here's the great thing, the Lord would not leave us without a way to find victory in these things. He would not leave us without a way. And so, 
we should seek that way and pursue after it diligently to find some lasting victory in these things. And if you are struggling in pornography, I mean, just like all, a lot of these things we're talking about, whatever you're struggling in, uh, well, I'll give a call at the end about that. Um, but the other guard, if you are married, the other guard against these things is to delight in your spouse, to delight in them. And I know some of you in this room might be having a hard time delighting in your spouse right now. And so I would just say, start to pray more and more to grow in the delight of your spouse, to delight in their beauty and who God made them to be. That will be one of the biggest guards is that you just delight so much in one another. God cares about how to be a good wife and a good husband. And I want to, uh, as we kind of pull out of, pull out of that adultery section and into husband and wife a little bit to end our time, the Lord cares about what it means to be a good wife and a good husband. And I want to point you to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 is one of the biggest vision expressions of what it means to be married and all that's behind that. So go to Ephesians 5 to see that, that picture of Christ in the church and husband and wife. And in the bulletin there, you see um, 29.22, a man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. There are many things in the book of Proverbs that talk about men dealing with issues. <laughs> Okay, time and time again, especially angry men, uh, quarrelsome men, all that kind of stuff. So there's a clear thing in here. And the question we have to ask ourselves as husbands, as dads, am I as a husband, as a father, providing an environment in my home that my wife and my kids can flourish in? Okay. Or am I controlling them with my anger? Is my anger causing more, lots of transgressions in me? Causing transgressions in my kids, in my wife? So you can pick any number of things in the Proverbs to, to say, is this what's flowing out of me to impact my home? And then there's great verses that talk about men that are wise. <laughs> and the blessings of wisdom and love and caring. So we should pour ourselves into those things. And then uh, on the back uh, page there, we start to see some things about wives. And so the first thing I would say about this, for all of you wives that were like, oh my gosh, comparing us to dripping rain, how can it do that? How can, you know, um, I would just say the number of things said about men and the destructiveness of them is far greater in the book of Proverbs than it is about women, okay? 
So, you know, just know that the things that sometimes we get offended about in Scripture, we're like, what's up with this? You know, that we get offended about. If we just actually had a, a grander view of what's playing out in Scripture and what it says in other places, we probably wouldn't be as offended because the Lord covers all the bases. Trust me. Okay? So, a continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. To restrain her is to restrain the wind or to grasp oil in one's right hand. So whether it's a quarrelsome wife or a quarrelsome husband, um, the thing that we want to try to avoid is just a heart that's ready to pick people apart and to assume the worst in them. And that's a lot of times when marriages start to get in a bad direction, on the rocks, hard times, is when we just start assuming the worst in the person from the beginning of the day, all throughout the day, and we're just picking them to pieces. This is true in any relationship. And some of us here today might have a bent in us when we walk into a room, we see everything that's wrong with the room. When we, walk, when we start engaging with a person, we're already thinking about all the things they've done in the past. And, and it's like we're bringing to bear on them or picking them apart. And that is a quarrelsome heart that is ready to just spew it all out. And we will wear our spouse out. We will wear our children out by picking them to pieces and assuming the worst about them. So it is like this drip, 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 right on us when someone is quarrelsome like that to us. It wears us out. And the gospel antidote to that, and this is what we're going to start to end with here, there is gospel antidote to all these things. The Lord, if we are in Christ, the Lord is not looking at us like that. The Lord is not picking us to pieces. And, you know, he knows the worst in us already. And yet he's pursuing after us and loving us. And so there isn't, he's not like drip, drip, drip on, on top of us just coming after us. He knows the worst. And yet, he loves us and pursues after us. And so if the Lord has treated us like that, if that's the way he sees us, and maybe for some of us in this room, we don't see the Lord as seeing us like that. We do think that he's drip, drip, dripping on us and picking us to pieces. But we have to be reminded of the truth that in Christ he is not. He's not. So if we realize how the Lord is treating us in that way, then we we'll be able to treat the people in our home like that more and more. And so we should be looking to, Lord, what, what is in this room that, that I can affirm that is good? Yes, do things need to be done? Does that need to be cleaned or that thing need to be you know, taken care of? Yes, and do people have things going on in them that yes, we want to see changed? But we don't want people to look at us like that. We don't want to be managed like that. Nobody does. 
So may the Lord help us to see how he treats us in his gospel. And there are great expressions of, of wives, uh, just tremendous ones uh, in that verse right there, an excellent wife. She's far more precious than jewels. And in Proverbs 31, we see a great expression of a, a godly woman who is very active in the community, active in her home. Beautiful pictures. So in the end, we need to be reminded of the gospel and reminded of our gospel community, who we're in, who his people with us. That's how we're going to get the help we need in these areas, through being reminded of how the Lord treats us and interacts with us, and then the reminder of the help that comes from one another in discipleship. So my call to us all today is if you are struggling in any of these areas today, or I mean just whatever, struggling in life that you, you feel like you need help in that way, open that up to a, a trusted Christian friend. Um, connect with elders here at the church to help them because this real discipleship, real discipleship is helping one another to apply the truths of the gospel to our individual lives and to apply the teachings of Christ to our individual lives. And most of the time, we're not spending enough time with one another to really see each other's lives well enough to do that. And we're not opening up to people to share that with them so they can help us to do that. So in these areas, seek elders, seek deacons here at Hope Chapel. Seek your community group leader if you're feeling at the end of yourself, bring someone else into it. Don't go alone. Don't go alone. Open up your marriage. Open up you know, those things so that people can come in with you. And like I said, you know, these things, I feel very uh, passionate about these things. I love these things. I love to come alongside people. So call, I mean, contact me and Jody. We'd love to come alongside you. Okay? So may the Lord help us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, you are so kind. There is great godly potential in all these things that we feel great weights about. There are great godly potentials. Uh, so Lord, help us to begin to see those. Help us to open up our lives. Help us to seek people to help us in these areas. We need you and we need your people. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.